Hey, everybody, this is Mandy Speaks Up Podcast. I am Mandy, and today's episode is going to be super um, deep. Um, viewer discretion is advised. I always like to have that at the very beginning because you never know what's going to pop up and what might be triggering. So there is a warning for that, but I am so thankful to be here on my podcast. These uh, continual episodes that I've been having for those that have escaped the Potter's House Church cult, um, international, worldwide cult. So I am for those that watch and don't have no idea what we're talking about. So I escaped the Potter's House Church cult. It is a worldwide fellowship, international church disguised as a church, uh, but it is really a cult. It has every uh, the checklist, everything it checks, every box for a cult, even for those that are professional, those who study cult environments, this place has been um, in that box of yes, it is a cult. And so we are not here to have any interview of is this place really a cult? No, we're not here to um, ask that question. Okay, we already know it's a cult. Um, but we're here with a former member of this Potter's House Church cult. And we are going to discuss with her, um, Tiffany, which I'm so thankful for you to be here. For anybody who's ever shared their story, it is very brave. Okay. And for those that have never been inside of a toxic, um, very authoritative, community that teaches you that you cannot speak up like you will never speak up and all the methods that they use to get you to not speak up is real so if you would have told me in 2015 or 20 2008 um that one day i would be not only sharing my story but bringing others in to share their stories, I probably would have laughed in your face because I would have been like, no way, I would be cursed if I shared the stories. I would go to hell if I shared the stories. So I will not do that. But here I am speaking my story and now bringing others that are so brave to share their story. So today specifically, we're gonna be talking about the judgment and the hatred on the LGBTQT community. And I just want you guys to know that um, this is Tiffany. So Tiffany, you can introduce yourself and share a little bit about yourself. Who who are you as a as a human being, right? Because in this place, there you are. It's like you're not even a human. You become one if you have a, a vagina. Then you're automatically a minority. You're automatically um, judged. That's already number one. But I want you to share something else that caused them to have more hatred because of something that you were. It was who you are as a person, as a human being. And so I definitely want to go into that story. So go ahead and introduce yourself, Tiffany. Hi, um, my name is Tiffany. Um, I live in Denver, Colorado. Um, yes, I was definitely part of the, the cult. And, you know, when you say the word cult, people really... Like, you know, they picture what you see on TV, like, and, you know, were they drinking Kool-Aid? No, but, you know, is it definitely uh, cult-like? Yes. Um, I mean, I think most people who leave the church want to, but they're so terrified because of the scare tactics involved with leaving that they end up 
either staying for the rest of their life and being miserable or it takes them a while. But I uh, started going to the church when I was very, very young. I was 13 years old. So this was back in 2001. Um, and I basically entered a very, very small church, you know, like I, if it, it was a pyramid scheme, essentially. So it was one of those like little baby churches that had like six people in it, you know, like one of, one of those kind of things. That's, that's where I ended up. And you were how old? I was 13. 13 years old. So you're 13 years old. What, what are they doing to, uh, to bring a 13 year old into this, uh, this so-called church, this church of love, this church that's going to save you from hell? Uh, is there something that they're doing? Cause I don't understand how, uh, I mean, I do understand cause I was 16, but for the viewers, how is, you know, they may not understand what are they doing to bring in a 13 year old? So is your family involved? So my family uh, was not involved. They, uh, my brother did end up going to church with me. So he and I went, but my parents uh, were not involved, didn't really want anything to do with it. I know it made my mom extremely uncomfortable. Like it was nothing like the Baptist church, you know, she grew up in and she just, she just wasn't having it. Um, um, I would say that, that like my brother and I were literally like the perfect, like targets or victims for, you know, this kind of cult, I guess you could say, um, you know, we came from an extremely broken home, you know, where, you know, my mom uh, wasn't there. My dad raised me the best he could. He was an alcoholic. I had a lot of uh, rage issues and self-esteem issues, and I was just a very lonely, broken person. And so in order to bring people like me in, they, you know, they, they do offer that love and that acceptance and everything is, you know, there's, there's obviously no alcohol or anything. So everything is very food based. Everything is let's, let's fellowship, let's come into my house and let's eat. And when you're like a little isolated, you know, kid who doesn't have any friends or family, um, you have a crappy home life, your, your life at school sucks. You're like, wow, these, these people actually care about me. Like they want me around. So I think that's why we stuck around initially is because we finally felt like we belonged, I guess, or somebody cared about us. So how old was your brother? He was two years older than me, so he was 15. So you, a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old. Um, so are they adults? Like, are they adults that are inviting you into their homes? Definitely. Like, there was no one our age. So these are the people, like, they would be in their 20s or 30s, and we'd go to their house and hang out and do things with them all the time. So, like, you know, we're literally these teenagers hanging out with adults. <laughs> yeah, that, that, to me, that you know, is a red flag right there. You know, I always think now being a mother, I think what, what the, I have done, you know, if my 13 year old daughter would, you know, come home and say like, she's spending time with these adults in their homes. Like for me, I'm like, wait a minute, why do a bunch of adults want to hang out with some teenagers? That right there is very confusing. Right. Um, but of course it is a tactic used because I think the younger, the better, um, in their eyes, because the younger you are, the more moldable you are, and they can easily manipulate you and groom you and get away with even the abuse that goes on in that place. And so go ahead and talk me into, um, so how, you know, how long did you stay in there and what was going on in between those years? What kept you there? Um, so let's see, I was 13 um, when I joined and I think I officially left the church in my late 20s, um, in like the very end of 2013 or so. Um, I would say the past like 
four years that I was there, I really, really struggled to be there. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be there anymore. Like, um, at this point in time, a lot had transpired as far as, um, my sexuality and stuff. And, but I was also terrified to leave because, um, they were very much like, you know, when you leave the church, God takes his hand of protection off of you and you are cursed and your life will fall apart. And they would always say like, all the sin that you had, it's going to come back seven times. And they would use these tactics, especially um, with hell. And you're like, any, any time you get like a, a, like a beating of your heart, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have a stroke. God's punishing me. Like I'm going to die. Like, so really the fear is what, what kept me there. Um, initially, like I ended up getting involved and um, I didn't have a lot of friendships, obviously it was a, a very small church, but um, I really just got gung ho into trying to be the, the best little Christian I was. Um, I didn't actually realize or understand that I was gay, um, myself, um, because I, it was just who I was. It wasn't until the church started having issues with, with my behavior, um, that I, I, I was even started to, to be targeted, I guess, for, for being gay and, um, yeah, it was, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know I was gay. I didn't know I was evil or wrong or, or, or immoral. So when I was told that I was, it, it really kind of shook me because it, this is just who I was. I, I didn't know that I was different than anybody else. Right. And because you were different according to their standards, that's what the issue was, right? Because this cult has no problem recruiting um, like different races and colors, um, but it is according to their standard, according to their book, when you become, when you are different or you become different or you want to be different, whether it's wanting to dress different, wanting to look different um, or anything sexually, you know, your sexuality, whatever your gender preference, like when you go into something that they do not accept, then you instantly become an issue and a problem. And, but they don't want to kick you out yet. Okay, because you initially, you know, eventually you get kicked out and we'll get into that, but they don't want to kick you out at first. Right. Because they want to convert you and they want to put you back in their box. So can you tell us what kind of, you know, what was going on? What were they saying that would make you feel like what I'm wrong? Like, I, what would they say? What would they do to um, shame you or to make you feel bad or to make you feel that because you're gay now? you know, something bad's going to happen to you and you've got to get straight. Straight. They, um, you know, like I said, I, I had crushes on girls since I was four or five years old. And, um, I had <laughs> crushes on little kids growing up the way any normal straight person would have a crush on someone else. Like I just, I, I didn't know, I didn't know there was a name for what I was. It just, it was what it was. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I was in church, I think I was about 15 at the time there, there was a girl in church and, um, I had feelings for her and she actually did kind of have feelings for me too, honestly, even though she was straight, but that's just kind of how it was. You're not allowed to talk to boys. So, um, you kind of end up with these really, uh, gender bended relationships. But I remember my, uh, I guess you can call him the, uh, the pat, like the youth pastor. He was just literally, he was the pastor's son, but he was our youth pastor. And, and he was just like, you know, it, it's it's wrong how you feel about this this girl. You care about her too much. And I and I was just like, I don't. What do you mean, like by that? Like, 
And he's like, he's like, you have feelings for her. That's, that's wrong. And I'm like, but she's, she's my friend and I care about her and I want her to be okay. And he's just like, he's like, no, you, you, you like her the way that you should uh, like a boy. And that, that's not okay. Like, you know, you have, you know, he's like, you know, he's like, that's a demon spirit. Homosexuality is a demon spirit. You know, we can't have that in the church. You know, we can't have you infecting other people, you know, but it was like, you know, God can deliver you though. Like God can remove this curse from your life. Like, and even if it's not your, your fault, it's probably generational. They're like, Oh, you know, if it's not, if it's not you, it's because somebody in your family was gay and now look at you, you're cursed, you know? So, um, from that point on, it, it became a struggle because every, female that I was close to, like, they kind of treated me like I was a predator. Oh. Yeah. And predator, let's get into the predator. So they're saying they're making you feel like a predator. They're making you feel shamed. Um, but let's talk about some other things that were going on while they were looking at you in that, um, in that way and making you feel like now you're cursed unless you get rid of these feelings and unless you get rid of these emotions, but let's go into, you say at one point um, there was an usher. And for those that don't know what an usher is, is somebody who basically would clean the church or take up the money during services. Can you go into a little bit of at uh, one point um, th this, this person, this usher um, hurt somebody hurt children yeah, he, uh, we literally had a guy in our church who, uh, he was one of the main ushers. He would pass the plate around with money. He would say prayers. He would work on the soundboard and shake your hand and say hallelujah. But he was definitely a, um, a registered sex offender who had spent time in, in prison. And, but that's okay. And, and that that's the hypocrisy of the church is like, well, God can deliver and it's okay if, if someone you know, has feelings like that because that's normal. You know, it's, it's normal to sexually prey on women or, or children, but, but they looked at me like I was worse than that. Like that person could be in ministry. That person was okay. And, and God had the power to change, but I, I was the one who, who was wicked and, and had a demon spirit within me. So you have a registered sex offender who is a part of this community um, and as like, do you have any idea of like, are, are they not, you might not, but do you have any idea? Are they, are they doing background checks on, on these people? Like what, what is it that you like, did you guys find out he was a registered sex offender or it just kind of got passed around that here's this man who's a registered sex offender who's part of this community, but it's okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, it was actually part of his testimony. Like, and uh, you know, people don't know what that is. That means like you know, like that he would tell people like this, this is who I used to be, but, but God changed me. And so, uh, he was open about it. So it was just kind of out there. So, I mean, I guess in the church world, it's like, well, hallelujah, you know, look at him. He's serving God now, even though he, I'm sorry, but like, you just, you don't change from that. And, and, and that's disgusting. He was, he was around the nursery. We had, we had little kids everywhere all over the place. You know what I mean? So, um, but they were, they were fine with that. But, you know, um, me, they wouldn't let me, uh, be in a car by myself with a female because I, I might do something to them. Oh gosh. And, and that, that's the, I was just thinking about this before this interview. That's just so crazy that you mentioned the fact that, um, they were, they would literally love to find people with the worst stories, like for them finding somebody who just came out of prison 
you know, being a sex offender, registered sex offender. He just got out of prison for that or or some other, you know, he's this other person who's a thief. Or if your story was really big and bad, they loved it. They loved to convert people with those kind of stories because now they're able to use their story as a tool as a tactic to convert other bad, terrible people who are going to hell with these stories to show them that they can come in and we will accept you and we will love you. Um, and so the, the worse your story was, the better. And it was very sickening. And that's what the testimony is, is your story showing how horrific of a sinner you were you were, but I mean, are they, they're coming in, bringing in these things that they were like literally in prison for. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how safe. They, they loved me prior to, um, you know, knowing about being gay because I, I had a big, powerful testimony. I was like a suicidal kid who wanted to do another Columbine. Like I was very angry and hateful from the life that I had. Um, and so they love that. They love that piece. Like, oh yeah, hell yeah. This girl is a uh, little, she was, she was crazy, little, little gothic kid. And then now look at her. Hallelujah. But you know, the, the gay thing is just like, you know, like, no, 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 we don't, we don't need to, we don't need to go there. Like, you know, like it just, I don't know. It, it's, they were very choosy with what they were okay with and, and any kind of LGBTQ, like they're, it's like the, the ultimate thing that you can't be like, you can rape children, but you can't be gay. So. Yeah. It's very, um, it's, it's hatred. I think that it goes beyond them just being, ah, they're just a little judgmental. No, it is, it is hate. It is hatred for these people. Um, and I think for somebody who, I mean, let's just be honest, like, you know, when you're a minority or you have, if you're different, according to society, um, but you're not a part of that, then it's easy for you to just look into it outside, like, you know, you're outside of it and you're looking in and you're just like, oh, that's so sad for them. But, you know, a lot of times you don't understand or feel what these people are actually feeling and going through. And here you are, you're part of this community, but you're inside of this church. Okay. Because let's just mention that you don't know it's a cult at this point. Okay. You're inside of this church of love since you were 13 and now you're realizing that you do have affection, you know, or attraction for the same sex. And so that's when now it's like, Oh wait, I don't think so. We're not going to have this here. And I myself have seen, I also seen the things they would do. Um, when I was part of this place, I seen the things that they would do to people who said they were gay or they thought they were gay or they wouldn't even say they were if 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 they had any kind of sense that you might be they automatically pushed you into this corner and tried to heavily heavily convert you back into you know being normal and the things that i seen them do were sickening it was disgusting and it was hatred it was pure hatred and it could even be considered abuse and so you said that they mentioned you know you're demon possessed because you're gay 
we have to get this demon out of you you know there's this generational curse on you because you're gay which i'm sure people who um have heard this before especially if you come from any kind of religion especially there's you don't have to be in this cult to hear the things that you know there are religions that say that being gay is evil wrong you're gonna go to hell you should be stoned i mean this is the stuff that's really out there but for you to be in this place when you were 13 and you felt you finally were accepted you finally had people who loved you and then all of a sudden they find this about you or start sensing this or they're like wait a minute do they actually love you like at this point are you not feeling what what has changed like are they they stop inviting you out do they stop um do they try do they try to like slowly get rid of you like what are they doing to um or are they just trying to convert you back to like no you just like stop being gay like what are they saying what are they doing is there anything else that you remember them saying that made you feel uncomfortable yeah it was um it was very much just like you know like you just you just need to get really involved in in the church and and you know get that you know almost like distract yourself from it um they're also just like, you know, all you need is a man. The solution to church, the churches is always a man. You just need to get married and ha have a family, have babies, be a pastor's wife. That's the answer. Like, God will bring me um, the man of, of my dreams. And um, that's that's just going to fix this. You know, like you, you know, you're not gay. You're, you're you just haven't met the right man yet. Um, and so the, the point was like. You know just stay involved with the church like as much as possible like you know the more you're in church at least you can't be out doing gay things but it was just always very uncomfortable because you know i would have people you know i i was like the church teaches you to be very open with your struggles like and and confess and i would i would confess things and my feelings and my struggles with my pastor because i i was trying so hard to not be gay like i tried with all my freaking heart to not be gay i I hated myself so much. Like every every time an evangelist would come into town, like I would just be the the girl weeping at the altar, hating myself. And mm -hmm. these men would sense that, you know, because it's pretty easy to tell when somebody hates themselves. And they're just like, you know, you have so much self hatred. It's like, well, I wonder why, because, you know, I I can't change who I am, but you know, like I, I can't stop how I feel. Um, I remember even our our head pastor at our mother church you know, had told uh, one of the members there who had been a lesbian for many years and started going to church, you know, like, I understand that you never want to be with a man, but you don't have to be, but you can just be in church by yourself. Like, and so it's like, there's almost this like feeling in the church, like, like they understood that genuinely gay people can't change. And not that they were okay with that, but they know, like, we can't change you. We just don't want you to act upon it. Like, so like their solution basically for someone like me is like, well, just be in church the rest of your life. Uh, keep your feelings to yourself. Don't act upon it and you can still make it to heaven. But just, I mean, it, it was just so fake because it's like you, you're literally acknowledging that I'm gay and I can't change. You can't change me. I can't change me, but I just have to, you know, go to church and, and be be lonely the rest of my life. Like th that was their solution for me um, on top of the, the shame of, of people you know, hearing things about you, I would have uh, women in the church be like, well, you can come over, just don't like hit on me or don't look at me like, and so you end up feeling like, like people are looking at you like you're, you're disgusting, because in the fellowship, uh, like gay people are disgusting, like they, you know, we would get 
it was like if you had a pastor say the word faggot, people would start clapping and cheering like, oh, yeah, faggots. Oh, disgusting. Amen. Like they the and so I'm just like sitting there like feeling so horrible about myself, trying so hard not to be one of these these faggots that they hate so much. But but I was. Yeah. And I have to say that they do. <clears throat> they do have recorded audio on YouTube. I should probably link it. Um, but trigger warning, because that's such an abusive word, um, but um, an emotionally abusive word. Um, I'm going to probably post that link down below after um, the, there is audio on YouTube. If it's still up, I just watched it um, or listened to it like about two weeks, a week ago of the founder of this church who is preaching and he is saying that word continuously and you can hear the audience which is the community the cult the church um cheering and clapping and they were all okay with that and i'm like they have audio like they have audio of this man saying that and they have more more audio than just one of him even sharing stories of him, how proud and happy he is that he's able to tell people this and use that word, which causes them to want to, you know, get saved and change. And one of the stories is that he even made a straight man. The man was not even gay, um, but he was wearing an earring and he was able to shame this this and this man was not even part of the coal he just walked in into a service and he was able and he's sharing this and there's the audio on youtube of him sharing the story of him saying i was able to make him uh take off his earring because if you wear an earring you're a and he said the word and he was so happy about it and the crowd in the back are just like like if they were at a concert, they're just yelling and static. They're they're ecstatic. Yeah, it's like the hatred is just something inside of them that they enjoy. The, and the creepy thing is, is is that it's it's in their mind it's justified. Um, mm -hmm. It's you know like when uh, people would come to church, like couples who aren't married, they were like okay with that. They're like, well, it's okay because you know they're a straight couple, they could get married. And that's the answer. Like, well. You know, they're at least they're 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 straight and and hallelujah, they can get married and serve God. Like, so they would totally be fine with a uh, a fornicator coming into the church and and being part of the church for a while. Um, but if you know people who were very gay looking goes, they, like people would like look at them and disgust. Like, you know, like they're terrified that that spirit would jump on them. I remember um, our head pastor's wife as well would tell us that homosexuality was a recruiting spirit and that it was trying to convert. So, you know, if, if, if I had it, I was trying to actively convert other people to be gay. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm not <laughs> anybody gay. <laughs> like I, you're like, that's not how it works. <laughs> no. And, you know, they would also try to suggest like, well, it's because, you know, you didn't, you didn't have a mother or it's, you, you must've been sexually abused. And I'm like, no, I was, I was not sexually abused. And, um, you know, I didn't have, you know, my mother in my life for a while, but again, that has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, little five-year-old Tiffany with big 
big brown eyes is like looking at this little little beautiful girl like just getting twitter painted like i don't you know i guess i guess if that makes me a <laughs> a cursed person whatever but i was i was very innocent like i i was very very innocent and that's just who i was but um i really struggled with so much self-hatred um for that reason i struggled with my weight quite a bit as well because I, I hated myself so much, you know, again, you don't have any outlets, like, you know, under the church, like I had gotten, you know, over 350 pounds because my only comfort in anything was food. Like you, at, well, you know, so people invite you out to eat and like, you know, so it's like, I almost was like creating the shell around me of, of protection, um, which just led to more self-hatred, you know, like, and now like, you're overweight and you're unattractive and now a man doesn't want you no man is going to want to marry you so it's like you know you can't win yeah that's so sad i mean this is such emotional um abuse to and psychological abuse because this is not something that just happens and then um goes away like you have to carry this you have to deal with this and for those that say I don't understand why you would stay in this place if they're making you feel this way. This is one of the, I think one of the top things for somebody that has never been in an environment like this. So I like to just say that this is very similar to any toxic environment. So this, you can, this, the similarities are almost like a toxic relationship, an abusive relationship, an abusive co-worker uh abusive environment workplace um because the similarities of you know i can't just leave i've been here since i was 13 um and you're working basically for them i would say that you're 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 in this place and you're helping convert you're helping to bring in more uh sinners like they like to call it that you're helping them build this place and if you're married right then you're also helping build more baby churches and more cults in the world um so you're actually working for them but of course you're not getting paid um and so you can't just leave this is where your everything is coming from and of course the research of what happens inside of a cult you're literally being brainwashed you're literally being groomed and manipulated. So this is real. This is not something that you can just, you one day snap out of it. Um, it takes layers. Like you slowly, slowly, slowly get there. But I, and then also I like to mention the the trial, um, the trials. The, the trials that they like to say is the more you can endure for their God, the more godly you are right and so the more you can endure the better so you're in you're taking on the abuse you're taking on everything they're throwing at you um but you're not seeing it as abuse you don't even i didn't even know that word existed in that place i didn't you know it, and you're i'm just thinking i'm being a good christian for taking the abuse taking the abuse i'm taking it and I feel good because at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm a damn good Christian. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm taking it like Jesus, like, you know, and they would use a scripture in the Bible that would say that, you know, Jesus was abused for us. 
So now it's okay basically to be abused yeah. because he did it. So don't you want to be like him? Don't, don't your whole, uh, desire is one day I get to die <laughs> and go with him. So that's the thing is your that's one of the reasons as well that you don't just leave because you're you're like oh i can take this i can take this and even though you're going home and probably crying and you know so many depression suicidal all of that but when you go back to the place that you're there almost every single day you're putting on a smile and you're you know and and then like for you going through the self-hatred and crying they actually like that they actually um, enjoy somebody um, enduring pain because it shows how much you are desperate to live your life for God, for their God. Right. So, so them seeing you crying and all of that, it, and me as well, um, they they it's almost like a a thrill. It's like a like a turn on, even like yeah, like take it, take it. And the thing is, is that their God doesn't exist. Um, this God that is misogynistic and this God that is judgmental and hate and has this extreme hatred for women or anyone who has a vagina, um, anybody that is different than them, then automatically this God is onto you. And I really believe for me that this this God of theirs existed in their own mind. Like it's it was passed down, of course, from like where the beginning of religion came from. But it's like this God of theirs is this 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 he's scary. <laughs> yeah, I um I really struggled like um with that whole authoritarian like word that you used, like um, I remember being a woman specifically, I remember again, that one of, one of the main sources of my trauma was from my, my youth pastor. Um, he would, you know, literally like point at me and get in my face, really close to my face and be, and like, you need to submit, you're a woman, like, you know, um, you're not allowed to speak. And like, I wasn't allowed to have, have that voice. And, um, I had an, like, I went through two pastors, you know, like in the church, sometimes pastors leave and then another pastor comes in, like. So that that particular pastor was highly abusive and highly narcissistic and um, would make me feel so horrible about myself. Like, um, I mean, I, I would just be petrified of this person all the time. And that followed me for a really long time. Like I, um, I would literally be bawling in front of my bosses. Every single job I had, I couldn't have a meeting, a simple meeting about something simple with a boss without having a panic attack and, and just bawling because of the abuse that I experienced in the church from being a woman who was supposed to just be submissive and, and scared. And, um, I ended up being diagnosed with complex, you know, PTSD, you know, from this and barely in 2022, despite leaving the church in 2013, like I'm barely starting to be okay with authority. I mean, it's like the past two bosses I've had, I still tell them forewarning, like, hey, you know, I have a little bit of trauma in the past. I, I, I struggle with a little bit of um, uh, talking with, with authority, you know, so please forgive me. And, you know, I'm able to actually do that now. Um, but I mean, I had so many years of abuse where 
Like I, I almost had to go on disability for a while because uh, the panic attacks and everything from the church was so bad that I couldn't work. I couldn't drive. I couldn't go to the store. Like I was just like my mind and my spirit was like destroyed. Gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's, it's something that is so real. And for anybody who's watching and maybe they're still in this place, um, I'm hoping this reaches everybody, anybody, um, you know, this is a sign that this place, even if you don't want to call it a cult, even if you still want to call it a church because it makes you feel better or because you, I would feel, um, another reason why somebody wouldn't want to call it a cult as well, um, from experience, um, would be because you're basing this church as God. Right. And so for somebody who's grown up in religion and has believed in in this one way for for, you know, as long as they can remember for you to say that this church is not good or something's wrong with it or there's abuse literally going on in it, um, that would have to mean that God is not good. And, you know, that can be traumatizing as well. So there's a lot of layers that are involved to finally be free and feel that freedom inside of you. Because even though um, you, you escape this place, now you're having to deal with all of these side effects, all of these symptoms and diagnosed, you know, with real shit. Like this is real. Like this is people that are professionals that are not even in this place are seeing it for what it is. And they're diagnosing you and, and, giving you validation that what you experienced is physically traumatizing. This is not something that just happened and goes away. You don't just get up and leave this place and everything gets better because for myself and for those that I've interviewed as well, those that have finally left, now they have to deal with the aftermath, with this aftermath it's like a bomb exploded. And now you have to take care of all these pieces of yourself that are blown all over the place and they're not there to help you. And they're not there to help with therapy and professional, uh, you know, real people that can help you. Now you're left to yourself. Now they don't even want to talk to you. Now they don't even know who you are anymore and you're invisible. And the community that you've been with for so many years, gone. Yeah. And, you know, especially for being gay, like, you know, if somebody leaves the church, you know, for, for drugs or alcohol, or they get a boyfriend, they, you know, whatever they, you know, they, they're just like, whatever, you know, for me, like I ended up, you know, running into church people, you know, years after I left and they were like, oh my God, we heard about all the things that you did. And I'm like, what do you mean? And there were some really terrible rumors that these people literally fabricated in their heads that didn't happen. Like they said that I was doing very vulgar sexual things, um, inside the church or, you know, on the altar. I'm like, okay, that never happens. Like, um, I don't know. I mean, it just made me think I'm like, what sick man, like sick pastor, like comes up with these things. And I'm like, so I'm like, if you're imagining me doing these things, like that's in your head, dude, like that's, that's kind of gross. Like, honestly, like, cause like none of those things happen. And it's, it's funny to this day where I'm like, oh, wow. Like I, I lived a pretty, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty crazy lifestyle, you know, according to them, but none of those things were real, but I think they just needed 
to justify why they could paint me to be such a monster, right? like as such a disgusting human being. Like they had to create me to be disgusting. Yeah, they had to do that because it would take it off on them. Yeah. I, okay, so let's go into you being kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Because for those that have, um, you know, that have escaped, like myself, I willingly just didn't show up one day. <laughs> <laughs> but what about those because there's many there's many and they're coming out of the shadows and i can't wait to hear more of their stories but for those that have been kicked out you were literally kicked out which at the time probably feels terrible but now looking back you're like well at least i got out but <laughs> i want to talk about how do they kick someone out like how what do they do how you know and you know the crazy thing is is that you know in church there would be you know couples, young couples, a guy and a girl who would mess up and fornicate. And the, the solution for the church was just go get married and then everything's fine. As long as, Hey, you know, you, you got a penis, you got a vagina, you're good. God is, God's totally cool with that. Um, being, being gay, you know, you don't have that option. And, and again, because I was so terrified of the God that they fabricated, I felt the need to confess things to my pastor, even though that really wasn't like a Christian practice, like a normal Christian practice. That's, that's, that's very Catholic, but I was so petrified of this man. Like he, he was, he was terrifying. I, I felt like I had to, like, I felt like all these, these feelings and the things that I felt like I had to confess. And so um, it would start out to where he would sit me down for ministry and, and give me time to, to get out of my gayness. And, and I would have to sit there and shame and, and, and people would know they would be like, well, Tiffany sat down for six months, you know, and, and they would, you know, and everyone would know. And, and there was always that, like, well, we know why, but we're not going to say why we know why. Um, I think honestly being gay is, is what helped get me out of the church because, you know, opportunities kept presenting themselves and I'm a human being. I, I'm a, I'm a woman with um, desires for love and affection, just like any other normal human being. And um, one of the relationships that I, I started feelings for a girl. And at the time I was the piano player in the church. And I just, I felt like I couldn't live a double life anymore. Like I'm like, I, I love this girl and I, I'm doing, I'm doing the something innocent, like, like cuddling someone at night. God, that's so terrible. We're cuddling. Um, but, but I, I, when I'm at church, I, I feel like God's going to strike me with a, a bolt of lightning. Like, you know, I would, again, I would have heavy panic attacks about God killing me. So I confessed what I was doing to my pastor and he immediately, like I, I had actually wrote him an email because I'm a like it was hard for me to talk to him because I was I was scared of him, so I emailed him. He forwarded my email to his pastor in our mother church, and they were just completely repulsed by me. And he uh, wrote me back a, a long email, told me to come to the church. I met he and his uh, wife in the office, and they. They flipped to the Old Testament and they found a random scripture in the Bible and they read it to me. And the, the gist of the scripture was um, the Israelites uh, had somebody in their encampment who had something hidden under a tent. And when it was exposed, they kicked this person out of the tent and the curse um, that was on the, that, that people was finally removed because they got rid of that hidden thing. 
And they said that it that I was that hidden thing and that I needed to be removed from the church because I was the reason that the church wasn't thriving. Like it was because of, of me and me being gay and everything that I was doing. And so I had to be expelled from the church. I was bawling. I was, I was, I was crying. Like, I mean, I, I mean, that was like, it was devastating for me because I, despite wanting to leave the church, like I, I was terrified of leaving the church because I was afraid of the the repercussions. Like I really genuinely thought God was going to kill me. So I'm just like, crap, if I'm not under the covering of a church, like I'm totally fair game for God to, to God to kill me now. Oh my gosh. So it was, it was shortly after that. Um, he told that my pastor told me that he was, he, I was not to talk to anyone. Nobody was allowed to talk to me. They were not allowed to reach out to me. They were not allowed to see me in person. Um, and that's when I started hearing rumors about the things that I never did, but in his mind I did. Um, and then again, they were, they were, they were really disgusting things that no respectful person would actually do. So it was, it was like an insult to my integrity as well. Like, like, wow, you would say that I did that. Like, that's kind of terrible, but, um, it, it was, it was, a it was horrible because my brother at the time was still going to church. <laughs> so he wasn't kicked out, but you know, so I got to see my brother go to church and I had to stay home and, and feel that shame and, you know, have people at church pray for me, but you know, also be disgusted with me. Um, you know, cause they were, they were very open with why I was kicked out. Like, because it was acceptable to talk about, like, you know, like she was kicked out because like, she's gay and that is just absolutely unacceptable. So like, it was, it was okay for them to talk about it and, and be disgusted with me. So I felt that shame as well of like, you know, it's not like I just left the church and, and they're, they're assuming I'm out there drinking and clubbing. They're like, no, like this, this filthy lesbian is, is doing filthy lesbian things. Like, you know, like. I don't know. It, it took a long time. I mean, I would, I would cry so much. Like it, it was, it was, it was a really difficult time. Yeah. That's, you know, you were 13 when you came into this place and now you're how old, like, you know, years later, now they're getting rid of you. Um, and this church is supposedly this church of love and um, side note, it's still functioning today. It's known as the Potter's house, uh, fellowship church it's known as the door christian church um i think it's also known as victory chapel Mm -hmm. if i'm right um but according to their website they do have about three thousand same exact churches under the same authoritative founder um in prescott arizona so this is they're everywhere Um, I don't, that's one of the things that really makes me confused is the fact that they have been in the news. Again, you can find, find old black and white videos of TV reporters reporting on this, you know, this place telling people that they think it's a cult and then it kind of quiets down and now you don't really, it's not in the news anymore. And now they've been able to build three. When I left, it was like 2,500. Now it's up to 3,000. So I don't, there's, it just seems like they're not stopping. And, and, and if we can't stop them, we, we just want at least to have our stories told. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely other gay kids that, 
you know, obviously none of them are in church now, you know, thank God. But, you know, I, um, even one of the pastor's sons, you know, was born and super, super freaking feminine from the time he was a little kid. And, you know, now he's, he's gay, but um, totally, you know, expunged from the church as well, you know, like, and I'm like, well, explain that one. You know, this, this kid was uh, born within the church to good Christian parents so are you still saying that this kid is cursed? Like this kid is demon possessed? Like this kid was born in church, but he's super gay. Like, you know, so their their logic is just so incredibly flawed. And it, it makes me sad because I know there were a handful of us that we all struggled. We all knew each other struggled and we would all talk about our struggles. But, you know, we all know that we can't change. You know, one of my best my best friends like was what uh, was gay and kicked out of the church and um, she passed away, unfortunately. And, um, you know, I wanted to make a point to talk about her as well because um, she yeah. doesn't talk about her story. Like, cause she's not here anymore. Exactly. That's exactly, that's the next place we were going. I'm so glad you brought it up because I do want to go into um, your friend here that um, was, her, her death was horrific. And then you, uh, you can go ahead and talk about her um, and state her name as well, because I, you know, your interview here is also in memory of her, because like you said, she's not here to speak of her story. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's others that, you know, their stories will never be told. And so through this, I would love to have, um, you know, her remembrance of like, she endured this and then when she passed on there was no stopping they did not have any respect mm -mm. yeah she um her name um her name was uh randall um so we called her randy um she ended up changing her name to renee because she was really trying to become more feminine like the church wanted her to but her name we, we her name was randy so her name was randy benjamin um, she was born in St. Croix. She was very, very proud of that. And, you know, I, I feel for her. She um, she had a pretty broken life over there. And um, her mother passed away when she was very young, like maybe around eight or nine years old. And she was sent to uh, the United States to live with her, her relative, who was a pastor's wife in our cult. Um, and so she ended up having to be forced to grow up in this cult. I had the pleasure of, of meeting her when I was 13 um, and she was 15. She was uh, two years older than me. She was born on October 20th. And every year I remember her birthday, like, um, cause I actually met her on her birthday, which is crazy. Um, their, their church was in New Mexico and they were our head church and they would send up like teens to like perform plays and stuff. And that's where I met her. And we were really good friends for years. And, um, despite what the church will have you believe there was never anything weird about us. Like we were never together. We were straight, you know, str you know strictly friends, but, um, she, um, she got, you know, like me got kicked out of the church several times in and out. Um, eventually she ended up moving to Kansas where her sister was a pastor's wife and, you know, she wasn't going to church at the time. I remember like, it was really close to the time she died. She died in February of 2016, if I'm not mistaken. And um, 
it was right around my birthday and I was supposed to, to come see her like for my birthday. Like she I was like, do we haven't seen each other? Like, I would love to see you. And I remember her telling me the story and she was so heartbroken. She said that, you know, she's in the middle of nowhere in Kansas. It's Newton, Kansas. It's a little tiny town outside of Wichita and her car broke down and she called her sister, pastor's wife and was like, Hey, like my car broke down. Can you come get me? You know, like, so her sister drove out like 20, 20 minutes out of her way all the way to where Randy was and told her, I can't help you because of the lifestyle that you're living and drove off. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, what was that for? Like, what, that was like the most unchristianly thing you could ever do to somebody. Um, and I remember she was so heartbroken about that. And it really hurt me because I knew her sister, you know, and you know, her, I'm not, I will never say that the people in the church are all horrible, terrible people. They're, they were good people. They just were very brainwashed. And so I was extremely disappointed by that because I, I couldn't imagine this, this person to be hateful because she was, she was always, you know, mostly very kind to me and for her to treat her own sister like that, like, like I felt for Randy and I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm just like, why are you in Kansas? Like move to Denver, dude, like get out of there. Like you have no reason to be there. Like your family doesn't want you there anyway. So like, screw it. Like don't be around them. And, um, it was shortly after that, that she passed away. Like mm -hmm. it was a completely freak thing. She was working at like a factory and there was a crazed man there. And from what I understand is, um, he would try to like hit on her among other people and obviously she wasn't having it. You know, she she presented herself in a, in a very you know masculine way. And uh, he had a lot of deep psychological issues and he stole a gun and he he went to her workplace and she was one of the people that he definitely targeted. And um, I don't know all of the details surrounding her death, but from what I was told is that she probably died very painfully and very slowly because there was multiple um, gunshot wounds. Um, maybe even in her, her head or her chest. And so it was not an easy death, um, which is all very traumatizing in itself. And you would think that the church would be there to uplift and support and help heal. And I, I, all the way from Denver, you know, I was a 911 dispatcher at the time. I was able to get off work. I drove all the way to Kansas for the funeral, despite the fact that I had already left the church at this point in time. It was it was really traumatizing and scary because I knew I was going to see a bunch of church people, including one of the head pastors who had helped kick me out. But I didn't care. I was like, I'm going to go and and support this funeral, even if it's at one of the fellowship churches. I don't care. Um, and it was the most awful thing I've ever experienced. You know, all of her actual friends who didn't go to church showed up. You know, there's like 15 people who genuinely loved her and accepted her and cared about her. And they're all, you know, in this little tiny church with us. And I've been to many funerals within the church and they're all very, it's okay. You know, they're, they're in a better place. You know, God has them. God has grace. Uh, Randy didn't get that. Um, she, uh, the, the sermon was, was very like, well, she wasn't serving God at the time and she wasn't living a Christian lifestyle at the time. We could only hope that she had enough time to repent, but she probably didn't. And so it was almost like the message was like, don't be like Randy. Like 
there was no, um, like, you know, it's okay because she's not suffering anymore. She's with God. None of that. Like none of the things that they would say for a normal straight person, like he didn't say that for her. And her friends were just shocked. Like they were all like, what, what, what was that? Like they were all heartbroken. They're like, we don't know these people. Like, like it wasn't even a funeral. So they had to go to a park nearby and cry and grieve on their own Mm -hmm. because they found no compassion and within the church. And one of my friends, you know, growing up became a pastor's wife and she was a pastor's wife in that area as well. And she asked me, she's like, well, do you want to come, you know, over after, you know, for after the funeral? I said, no, I was like, I don't like, I was like, that was the worst thing you guys could have ever done for her. Like, I was like, I was like any chance that you guys wanted of having those 15 friends come to church and serve God and get saved. I was like, you just destroyed that. I was like, because they don't want anything to do with God. And I was like, I'm going to go with them. Like, and I did like, I was, it's, it's hard to talk about because <laughs> It's just so sad. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, I mean, that's fucking horrific. That's, that's, all, that's in 2016. That's not too long ago. She didn't deserve that. <laughs> so. No. And I'm, I am thankful that you're, that you shared that story because that is something that needs to be out there right because do you know if any of those people throughout your whole entire time there as but especially the ones that were that did the the memorial service for your friend do you have any idea of any of them are still today in those positions like the the church people, all of them are. They're all still going to church, serving God, and um, you know they they look back on it, you know, as a sad time. And and I was pissed again. I I had already been out of the church for three years at this point, and and I I didn't mean to scold my friend that I grew up with, but I I scolded her. She's a pastor's wife, and I'm like, how dare you? Like, how could you do that? Like. I was like, what the hell was that? Like, I was like that. I was like, I've never heard something more hateful in my life. I was like, this girl was shot full of bullets. Like, you know, like, I don't know. It it changed everything, you know? I mean, not that I was ever going to go back, but my perspective on the church completely changed. Like, and um, not that I'm out, you know, like actively being anti-fellowship or whatever, like, I don't like that. The church doesn't mean anything to me anymore. It doesn't have that much power over me anymore, but I I won't call it a church. It is a cult. It is what it is. Like you don't get my respect anymore. Like, because I see, I see you, you know, for who you really are and you, you like, you're hateful and you're awful. And yeah, that, that was a good nail in the coffin. Honestly. <laughs> it's so sad. It's just terrible. Um, and the thing that is is even scary is that this is just one. Like, you know, how many of these so-called memorial services have they had or are still having that, you know, people within the coal who pass and because they didn't live up to their book and their 
religion, what are some of the things that are they saying that, you know, little, the, the, the little ones, the ones that are being born into it or the ones that are being groomed into it, like yourself at 13. And this is the road that they're going on for the fact that, you know, some of these people that went in at 13, 16, they just, they're just trying to be happy, man. They're just trying to, to make a better world. But instead, this is the world they're creating. Hate, abuse, and it's continuous. Like it doesn't, it's, there's no end to it at this point, right now to this, you know, as we're doing this interview, there is no um, stopping point for them because they feel like you said, they feel um, like they're, what they're doing is right because justified, (laughs) justified. They, uh, they, you know, from what I understand from people I still talk to, um, you know, I'm not going to make this a a political discussion, but they are all extremely right wing conservative, um, you know, people. And, and, and it's not supposed to be something that's preached over the pulpit, but it totally is. And so this, that the crazy anti-gay agenda is almost like it's like their holy battle. Like, like we will fight against the gays because that's what we need to do. And look, even the politicians support us. Like, I mean, it's, I, I would not want to be in the fellowship right now as, as myself, like, cause it was bad then, but it would just, I mean, I, I would probably even kill myself now. Like, I mean, it is so horrible now. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's way worse than when we were in it. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope that if there are any LGBTQ plus questioning people out there, like you are more than welcome to reach out to me. Like if you need to, like, I, like, I got you, like, like we are all blood and family and uh, I, I will help you in any way that I can. Beautiful. And I also posted two uh, links also um, in the description box of um resources and support for anybody that is having to deal with this um whether inside of this place or not but specifically if you know of anyone in this place in this cult in this you know church um that is these things are being done to them um i really hope that this gets out to somebody that they can either see it for themselves or secretly send the link to the person that may be dealing with the things that come with being shamed and being uh, like ridiculed and hated because you choose to walk a path that they don't want. They don't, they, and it's evil and you're gonna go to hell. And it's like, okay, if it's evil, okay, even let's just say it is evil and, and I'm gonna go to hell, let me, let me go to hell. like let me do what I'm going to do. Cause it's my life. Right. Like, like, you know, it, it's not like it's illegal or, you know, we're consenting adults. Like what, what is your cry? What, what, what is it that you feel like you have to force a human being to walk this road that you're walking? Like you want to walk that road. That's fine. Like you are able to, but if you are able to, do you understand what that means? That means I'm able to walk the road that I want. Right. And I just, I also want to say that, you know, like when you leave the cult, they, they like to try to say that, well, you know what, they're going to be miserable. They'll come crawling back. They're, 
you know, their life is going to be so messed up and they're going to be so broken. They actually pray. It was a prayer in my church. God, make them miserable. Ah! You know that one. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? I'm living my best life. Uh, I have learned to love myself. Um, I was able to get rid of the spiritual weight that I had. Mm. Um, I I have an amazing personality. I have beautiful people in my life. I have an amazing job. I have my own home. Uh, I, I I mean, I have no complaints. My, my life is beautiful and perfect. And I am exactly the person who I was made to be. So mm. they can say that I'm cursed and horrible, but I... I love my life and I'm doing just fine. Yeah. You don't look cursed. You don't look miserable. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> good. I'm like, so I'm proud of you. And just so everybody knows, like I have not, I did not know you, you know, before we met. Um, I mean, before the, um, we met like what, like three weeks ago. Yeah. And you're just like, Hey, I do a podcast. Like want to talk. And so, <laughs> You know, I mean, I, yeah, I do not know this lady. I, I wish I did. She seems hella cool, but <laughs> I'm so glad that you you did. Um, um, it's just, it's something that you know. It's not like we're going on this rampage of oh, this place is so bad, and like we're literally just sharing our stories. We are yeah. literally sharing our raw, open hearted stories that we endured in this place and that is still going on. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, like I, I'm not, I'm not fabricating anything. Like, I'm sorry if the truth offends you, my bad. Like I, it, it happened. Sorry. You know? Right. And I'm just so glad that you were able to get out of it alive. I mean, honestly, um, what, of you know, leaving and having to come back, having to like come back into society because you go in when you're 13 and then now you're having, you're coming out as a woman, you know, an adult. And what are some of the healing aspects that you feel really helped you? Because, um, you know, for those that are like, I'm scared to leave, like I'm scared to leave because I'm scared. Um, like what, what is some of the things that you can say that really helped you? Um, because I'm sure you had, um, nightmares or dreams i know i did um but any kind any like anything that helped you what is what is the healing because i know you said you're diagnosed with cptsd um i think that you mentioned about like anxiety and depression and having to be on medication for that um what what are some of the healing things that you really feel helped you um one thing in particular was um i was very fortunate to find this uh it was a japanese counselor and he used a very different type of counseling that I'd ever heard of. It was um, like based on like body trauma. And so what he would ask us in when I like is I would constantly just ball in, in, a, in our, um, in our sessions, but he would be like, where do you feel it in your body? And I would, you know, depending on what the emotion was or what we were talking about, sometimes it would be in my chest. Sometimes it would be in my stomach. Sometimes it would, you know, be in my throat but he would make me feel these things and use certain techniques and make me feel them and then be able to release them. And um, he helped me get to the point where I was gonna be on disability to the point where I was able to go out and get another job again because I was able to even physically heal some of that trauma that I was having because I, there was so much pent up that, you know, again, I was having to go to the emergency room all the time because I was waking up having panic attacks that God was 
like punishing me to kill me. I kept, I would wake up with like feeling like my limbs were going numb and that God was giving me a stroke to punish me for leaving the church, that God was giving me a heart attack. Like I would, I would wake up and, and just like petrified and, and it, it wouldn't even make any sense. It was completely irrational, but it was from the trauma of, of just fear and anxiety. And so I was on medication. I, I, I've been on medication for, for some time, but I'm doing a lot better. Um, and also just exploring spirituality in general, like really helped, like, um, in my opinion, um, who we call God and, and the universe is too, too big to put in a little tiny box of Christianity or Islam. Like, and so I always tell people like, find what resonates with you. I know what resonates with me. I definitely believe in, um, you know, reincarnation and all things, you know, metaphysical and, and spiritual. And, and, you know, I'm, I have a lot of my own spiritual gifts that I, I had even during time uh, that I went to church that I use now. Um, I have a clairvoyance and Clara audio. I have all these things. And so I, I embrace those things. Like those are things that I thought made me evil. And I was told that they were evil and, and I couldn't possibly have those things because I was a woman and, but I do. And so I use them now and I, I feel very much connected to source and spirit. Now I'm by no means an angry, bitter atheist or something like I, I, I'm totally at one in at peace with, with um, what I call the universe. And um, again, I, I just tell people to find what resonates with you because it, it could be different for everyone else, but there's definitely something out there that is loving and is peaceful. That isn't something that makes you hate yourself and want to, you know, cry to sleep at night, you know, because you hate yourself so much. Yeah. And the journey that you have come, you know, there's a big journey there. Like I'm super proud of you. And I'm, I just like applaud to your strengths. Like I like to say, I bow to your strengths. I, I bow to the strength that it took to endure the hatred and the abuse of this so-called church that was supposed to be there um, as a supportive community and instead became a nightmare and then get rid of you and go on to the next. Yeah. And I'm still very much uh, looked at with disgust and that bothered me for a long time. You know, these were people that I consider to be family, you know, like these people saw me grow up and they look at me in disgust now. I'm okay with it now. Like, I'm cool. Like, hey, I'll see you at the store. Hey, bro, how you doing? But um, it, it hurt for a long time. Like, I'm like, these people think I'm a monster, you know, and to this day, uh, you know, I, I guess they, they can picture whatever they want about me in their sick minds. But, you know, it, it is what it is. So <laughs> I would I would say a monster is somebody who is lashing out with hatred and judgment against somebody that is just being a loving human being like yeah i'm i'm a, I'm a pretty nice i'm a pretty nice person <laughs> I, i'm a, i mean i you know i i freaking uh, i'm a i'm a hug monster i love people you know but um yeah to, to them i'm the monster you know i guess it's all a matter of perspective you know but i'll, I'll be the monster if they need me to be but i know i'm not so <laughs> Right. No, it just takes off the, the attention off of them. And they're really good at doing that. They've done that, like I said, since I think it was the 70s or the 80s. So, you know, it's being passed down and it's it. And I mean, let's be honest, they're doing a pretty damn good job at it. If they're able to, 
you know, exceed up to uh, 3000 cults worldwide. I mean, they're doing something. Um, they're preying on the vulnerable. They're preying on the young and uh, especially, you know, 13, 16 year olds, because um, we can speak with experience. And so that's one way they're doing it. Um, and, but, you know, I just um, want to end with um, if there is somebody in the LGBTQ community um, or like they haven't come out yet because they're in this place where they can't even begin to speak it. They can't even speak it. You know, um, I, I want you to leave them with a message. Again, there's resources, links below, but, but what is, you know, whether they're in this place, especially in this place or any kind, I mean, this could be somebody who's even in, sadly, in a family that is like, we will not accept this. And so they're choosing to not speak of it. So what would be your message to somebody who's watching this or, and, they are at this point where they find themselves very depressed, sad, angry, and even worse. They could be at the point where they really do believe that this could be the last day for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've struggled with depression my whole life and um, hating myself, especially because of the church. And I can honestly tell you that now that I've embraced who I genuinely am, like, like love literally oozes out of me and I am who I'm meant to be. I don't say this with, with vanity or, or, or pride, but people love to be around me. People love me. They, they, they think I'm so kind and so genuine and like, this is who I'm supposed to be. Like this, this is the Tiffany that I was always supposed to be that they wanted to stifle down and destroy. And so who like what you are isn't wrong. What you are isn't evil. Like you are perfect as is. And um, don't don't let them try to take away the, the light that is within you because they they dimmed my light for so long. And I, and it was meant to it was it was locked inside of this this shell. And, and I was I was encased in, in, in hatred and um you don't have to, you don't have to feel that way. Like you, you're perfect. Like, like you are who you're supposed to be and, and it's okay to be who you are, whatever that means. Just be yourself. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Is there anything else that we may have forgotten or anything that you feel like you want to say? I mean, this is your chance. Um, is there anything you feel that you would like to, um, a story or something that we forgot anything? Um, I can't think of anything specifically. Um, I, I, I can definitely tell you, um, all the people that I know who were gay in the church and got shunned, guess what? They're all doing great as well. <laughs> and we all <laughs> reach out and they are living their best lives. And so there is, there is life after the Potter's house. Like I promise you mm. there's life, <laughs> there's a life far more abundant than you ever experienced. Like there's so much happiness and so much joy. And uh, once you can shake off the fear that they instill in you, like you're, like, you're gonna be okay. <laughs> mm, I love that. You're gonna be okay. That's promise. I remember years of wanting just to hear that you're gonna be okay, but I wouldn't hear that. Yeah. I would hear. I would hear. You need to pray more. You need to read your Bible more. 
you need to convert more people you need it was always something that i needed to do so and i remember just crying and saying i just want to hear everything is going to be okay that's 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 it um so but yes uh we are proof that there is life after this place there is proof you can thrive you can enjoy life enjoy yourself enjoy your body enjoy enjoy who you are and it, it just the joy and the love never ends so thank you again tiffany i'm super grateful thankful there's going to be some links below so thank you again thank you again for, for honoring randy that means the world to me she's mm. you know she's she's in my heart always always and she's she's looking out for so many people who who still love her so i'm so so honored to be able to to talk about her so Oh, I'm so glad that you did. And she was surely remembered through um, you sharing your story. Yeah. It, her story was validated. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So until again, I will be having more interviews coming up for um, more brave souls. My next interview is going to be a, a beautiful soul that left um, and escaped the San Antonio, Texas cult called The Door. Um, we're going to be talking to her next in the next episode. So subscribe to my channel to always be ready for the next interview. And again, if you would like to share your story, you can also uh, contact me and information will be below in the description box. So until next time, continue to speak up. Awesome. Bye, Tiffany. Thank you again. All right. Love and light to everybody.